0: Cage is probably one of our generation's definitive actors.
1: Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting, it's your main man Andy here, hope everyone's doing well in the world right now.
0: Hi everybody, I just want to remind everybody, we don't get paid for this, um, and sometimes you've got to do things in life that you don't like to do and have to suffer through it. And let this podcast be a lesson to you all out there. Just For great things to blossom, sometimes you have to suffer unimaginable terrors, and that is what we're about to watch ahead. Hello, I'm Magor. Hello.
2: I watched this, and I, as I was sitting there, I was thinking that <laughs> Matt's not going to like this at all. Yeah, <laughs> I only. I, I mean, it... And I was thinking, oh, what would Meat love think? And I don't think he would have done this for love either. And it's it's one of the most. Ah, oh, it's fifty minutes long, and I sat there and thought about it for the next seven hours of the day. <laughs> this is going to be brilliant. I can't wait for this. This is been This is amazing. Yeah, You know, I've been
1: waiting all week and I'm like, Matt i not watched it yet. but like, <laughs> I know he hasn't watched it. He hasn't watched abuse the second he watched this shit. <laughs> and, it, and it happened. So yeah, I knew, I knew that it was coming. Um, like, I honestly, I have no idea what to say about this as I film, but I suppose it's a plague really when, when we talk about it. I don't know. It's a David Lynch creation during his Twin Peaks and, quite obviously, uh, Wild at Heart period. Uh, It was filmed performance in 1989 at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. It is called Industrial Symphony No. 1, The Dream of the Brokenhearted. Stu, going into this, I'm assuming you've never heard of this, because honestly, who has?
2: But when you said that, oh, yeah, we're going to link this because we did it in the music cast and we'll have it, like musical kind of thing, two weeks in a row, I thought, okay. Um, I had no idea. I thought, are we going off-piste? Um, is this one of the, the cageless things that we do every day and again? Um, so when it started and he was there, I thought, oh, intriguing. Is he going to be singing? This is going to be some Elvis thing? And then the, then the rest happened. Um but yeah, I had, I had absolutely no idea. No no, no clue at all. Uh, never heard of it before. Um, and then that link came through and I thought, oh, it's in 4.3. Oh, this is going to be special. And you can see the grainy stuff at the bottom that it's been clearly uploaded from a tape. <laughs> is, is this a tape that's been made from the time? Who knows? But yeah, completely clueless going in and completely clueless afterwards, really. Matt. I mean, I, I know you didn't particularly
1: enjoy uh, Wild at Heart, David Lynch and, and everything. So did you know that that was this going in? Or like, uh, where I, I,
0: were you? Only because of what you told me. Yeah, I didn't know that this existed um, prior to um, you telling me about it. And I, foolishly in my head, even when you did tell me about it, thought it was going to be like Grease. Fuck me. There's a lot of Grease in it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not great. Yeah. yeah, I wish it was great as well. Right, so IMDB describes this quote-unquote film as, The performer of the Twin Peaks theme, Julie Cruz's experimental concert film, which opens with a short intro where a man breaks up with a girl over the phone, which devastates her. The concert is setting her nightmarish subconscious mind. So the film opens with Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern on the phone. Their accents bear a striking striking resemblance to Sailor and Luna from their time with Lynch in Wild at Heart, but IMDb tells me that they're called The Heartbreaker and The Heartbroken Woman. The Heartbreaker tells The Heartbroken Woman that he cannot do it anymore. He needs to go away and end their relationship. That's everything that we get to see of Nicolas Cage. Is- <laughs> the next 45 minutes are set on a stage with whirring sirens, sex jazz, high-pitched singing, around a strange set of metallic scaffold structure. It's supposed to be a nightmare sequence, the dream of the broken hearted, literally in the title. The singing is performed by Julie Cruz, it's all high-pitched, ethereal and barely decipherable, to be perfectly honest. The whole thing's a moves like there's no real substance to it, so she could be thinking about absolutely anything and I wouldn't have a clue what was going on. I would have said that maybe it's just a recording but apparently she was just miming so they were actually playing the actual songs that she was miming to. But it was terrible. I couldn't understand anything that was going on throughout any of this. Julie Cruz is labelled as the dream self of the heartbroken woman. She sings up in flames whilst a naked lady rides and then a fully clothed man hangs upside down. The dream self then sings another song, but after the second song, we get a performance from Michael J. Anderson. Uh, he's a little person who was in Star Trek, Twin Peaks, Files, Charm, Holland Drive. But you probably recognise his face, to be honest. I think he's a fairly recognisable guy. Uh, he His appearance starts with a four-minute segment of him just using a saw on some wood. <laughs> He's then runs around the stage, and we get another song from Cruz at the end of which she falls from the squite skies. It looks like it's a really nasty fall, but it's quite clearly not a human doing the stunt. Eventually, we hear what sounds like cats fucking, and then there's a weird devil or deer hybrid thing on stilts that comes to life and then vanishes after two minutes of quite literally just standing there. We're halfway through at this point. Matt, how <laughs> are you getting on? <laughs>
0: Right, let me let me start by saying when it started I thought, oh, is this the uh one by Metallica or something because it starts off like like World War 1 like gunfire and flashing mm-hmm. lights. I was like, oh, where's where this going? I have no clue what's going on here. And then the singing starts and I wasn't necessarily like listen, I listen to some absolute indecipherable music. Right, Lorna Shaw, for example. Listen to it; you'll hate it. You'll hate it. Right. So I'm not, you know, against undecipherable music, but it was just, there was, it was just nothing. It was just warbling, warbling mess. And then, like the the, the backdrop to it all, it just when that fucking monster thing came out, <laughs> I thought I wasn't like thinking this is shit to begin with. But shit, I was just like, what is it? What has this got to do with anything here? When's Nick Cage going to turn up? Like, what is what is the story here? And I've come down to one conclusion with this. This is going to make me sound like a proper, like, old fuddy-duddy political correctness gone mad. But this 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 film, if you can call it that, is what happens when you give participation medals out to people and tell <laughs> people that everything's great and you can't criticise me because this is just turgy shit, this... this there is nothing redeemable about this. This isn't like art. No one can go. Oh my god! Well, I went through a roller coaster of emotions watching that. It it, it, it means nothing. It there, there's no there, there, there's, it, it... and you can't criticise it. If if one if the singer would have took a dump on her hand and threw it up the wall, some lunatic it would say, "Oh god, that's, god. the metaphor in the name of art here." He's oh, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> But it's just throwing shit up the wall. It's so bad. Like I don't get it. I've never got it with Lynch. Like I just don't see it. But this is as bad as it gets. Like it. It's never been as worse than this. There's there's nothing redeemable about it. Not one good song. Not one good like set piece. Nothing about it is worthy of anybody's time. But everybody should watch it. It's bizarre.
2: There we go. I mean, clearly, when when you've got a little person soaring into a, a piece of wood for four minutes, and it, it it's it's showing the uh, the levels of heartbreak digging deep into the soul. <laughs> and, but no, it's not, is it? <laughs> it's. I hate this music. The first thing, I know I slid off and you and you with last week. Fine, this is the stuff. I can't I can't bear it it drives me insane and uh, as soon as it started I thought oh no oh no 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 okay I can't be doing 50 minutes of this so I got uh, it was almost like we within five minutes I only got my phone out to look at x Tw- eh, sorry um but then the the stuff started happening and I put my phone and I thought this is fascinating what what is going on what why is she why is she floating around um don't know what she's saying obviously um but then you had all the stuff in the background, you had the, uh, the metal scaffolding, you had them writhing out of a, a poor old Herbie all burnt out on the floor. And you thought, well what what is why is she riding around of the car for? Or is, is this some kind of is this some kind of like metallic like some kind of mechanical subliminal message going on? Uh, and he wasn't. And then and then he went that it went away. And then the log came out, and then I thought, okay, there's going to be another song in a minute, and then it was. And then she falls from the sky, and I thought, oh, that's going to hurt. That must obviously be the uh, the pain that she's feeling inside. And then the goat thing. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it did look pretty good, considering the age of it. Mm-hmm. And I I hadn't seen people walking on them kind of like blade still things for a years into after this. Uh, I know he doesn't really walk he kind of hobbles around a little bit on his goat legs or oh deer whatever whatever monstrosity he was. Um I think whether or could a kind of goat devil on the fan cast last week when I mentioned it to a uh, impressionable young Amy on there. And I couldn't take my eyes off him. And I don't know why because it's shit but well, it's not shit. Because it obviously means something. maybe it's just too high for us to understand. No nah, nah, no I'm not having that one one bit because it reminded me of the David Lynch PlayStation. we've oh, mentioned Lynch before, the PlayStation third place adverts that made no sense. There was a duck. there was a woman with a face all too small. and there was just all things that make you remember things. you remember that it was like branding for the sake of oh yeah, you rem- remember the advert, you remember the brand, that kind of list that kind of theory and there was stuff in this that i've watched thousands of films thousands of hours of tv shows this should not be memorable because it is awful but it, it's been in my head for nearly, what only two days now do not understand why and this is half only this is halfway through um
1: like i will get on to it at the end well in a minute because I there's two beats that i think i understand but the rest of it, I haven't got a fucking clue what is going on. <laughs> like, it is, it's indecipherable listening to what she's saying, but as a work of art, like, I have no idea what he's trying to tell me with it. And I, I like Lynch, and I, I like to think I'm quite good with symbology and stuff in film, but for 99% of this, I haven't got a clue what is going on. It is dreadful. But at the same time, like, it it keeps drawing me back in. like, Every time I look away or look at X on my phone and then all of a sudden a devil fucking deer stands up and I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, you can't not look at it but not for good reasons because it's just confusing. So odd. Julie sings another song. Then Anderson comes back on stage and sings a song. I say he sings a song. uh, The song is The Dream of the Broken Hearted. It's him rereading the heartbreaker and the heartbroken woman's lines from the beginning of the film, whilst the previously naked woman is now fully clothed, but she's still writhing around. And Laura Dern just appears next to him for some reason, not really doing much. Julie sings a song from inside the boot of the car now. They then dangle baby dolls on fishing line (laughs) with the sound of sirens. There's 10 minutes left, but honestly, nothing really changes. It's just another dreary song that she floats around on the screen and then the play ends there. So that that's the end of it. Stu, how did you feel?
2: <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed him playing the little flute thing uh, that I didn't mention when he was uh, with Laura Dern back on stage. That was, uh, that was quite weird. Um, but when she... That's what I didn't get because she fell and kind of crumpled and died. And then they resurrected the resurrect the, uh, the devil, deer goat. I thought at first. I thought, is this supposed to be her? Are we? Is it because it's a stage thing that we're not supposed to see her body lifeless on the floor? Is, it, is it, as she turned into this thing? But I kind of took it as I was trying to think as a, as a as an educated person. I was trying to think out, outside the lynching box and think is this what it potentially could even be that okay her hopes were up there hopes were sky high and then he soared away and it's come crashing down the sores meant because of that and then she her hopes have been resurrected and and that's all demonic and then that's gone away and then okay she's got a little bit of hope but at that point she's dead is that what is that what it means (laughs) and that's is that what the babies were for is the baby that the babies on the fishing lines some kind of symbol of oh this is what could have been but now you're all the babies are in the sky what the fuck is going on Mm. (laughs) but again i did not take my eyes off it for a second because it's so weird fair play to him. you got the little guy shining the the light around like some kind of stage hand but why is it then showing him, sh- showing in the light on it? Is it showing a light into a subconscious? Who no. knows? You could do thousands of words on the, the possibility of what this is. In reality, it's just a mentalist writing random stuff on a, on a page and saying, let's do this. It'll be funny. It'll be weird. Because I don't think it's got any meaning whatsoever because it is too odd. Yeah. It's just.
1: Like, I'll get onto it like good, bad and crazy. There's no narrative structure to any of this at all. It's just sort of glimpses of weirdness. Which, I, If it's a dream, I sort of understand what he's saying with that. That obviously it's not coherent. But the only two bits that I could sort of decipher was the babies on the string. is the heartbroken woman fearing the loss of what could have been. in the Yeah, yeah. That's, I think I sort of get that. Yeah. And the other one is the writhing, naked woman, I think would be the heartbroken woman's fear about why the heartbreaker has left her, I think. But outside of that, I couldn't tell you what
2: anything else meant in it. Matthew, but if, sorry, if we both got the same thing about the babies on wires, maybe, this is what I mean, maybe there is some kind of, Maybe we're so in tune with this madness that we kind of we we're both coming at it from the same angle, or it's a coincidence.
1: No, I, I think that potentially is it. I, I think he's got like glimpses of ideas that he's put in there, but they're just not always necessarily obvious to us.
0: From the immortals. I mean, I don't think everything should be like so paint by numbers, like a Marvel film or anything. But mm-hmm. it's just so undecipherably it's just i i don't know maybe maybe i just don't give it enough credit and i've got pre um predetermined judgment like judgments on this kind of stuff but it's it's unabashed um gratuitous nonsense isn't it self-indulgent <laughs> waffling flop of shit i really like can't stand this kind of stuff <laughs> Well, like, art, 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 it's my issue with art in general. You literally can't serve up any old nonsense and people have got to go, oh, well, that's just fucking unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> like, this, this is just this is just sensational. Like, it, because no, nobody wants to be, the, nobody wants to be, like, the ghost at the feast that just calls calls it what it is. Shit. Like, no, like, you, that's, that's the thing with art. That's what turns so many people off it, is that, like, all of a sudden, you can't be... A, and being an art critic must be the easiest job in the world because you just go, oh, well, the symbolism here is, is quite evident to see. And then you don't have to say anything else because you get all about what everybody else sees anyway. You don't have to have an opinion. It's just, yeah, I just don't get it. I don't get it mm, at all. Like, it, it's, I mean, I hate
1: interpretive dance. And this is what it is. This, mm, in, this is what it was not st- Interpretive dance with some silly fucker singing nonsense behind it. it, it yeah, I hated it. Hated it all. know we haven't even got to that question yet, but fucking hell. It was just a struggle. I mean, 50 minutes, it felt like 50 days. It's the <laughs> longest
0: thing we have watched. for this podcast. You know what, as well? Everything, everything leads down to, I didn't even get an advert throughout it, such as YouTube wanted me to suffer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it shows you yeah. value in it whatsoever. I didn't have to watch
2: a single advert throughout it either. YouTube knows it's, it's awful as well you know what I, I don't think about youtube but i have um youtube revanced it works perfectly fine um which is after they took vanced away and i thought oh no i have to pay for it which i had to do for two months i, I gave revanced to go uh, and view all, all your borderline criminals out there it, it, it's perfect there's no skipping there's no um random app closing down i've watched two four-hour podcasts on it on youtube both playing in the background and phone open works perfectly fine. Um, again, works better than this this show. Um, you said about the interpretive dance thing. That is that is spot on because that's what it is. it is. Like, I wave your arms around and pretend to be fire. What the kind of thing we used to do in drama in GCSE, um, which I kind of enjoyed doing actually, but I wouldn't watch it. You, I enjoyed taking part, and I enjoyed. You know, the whole expression through dance and all that, like make your body into a worm and all this stuff and not doing the worm on the floor with all that, that would have been better. But I do get it. If you don't like this stuff and you don't like interpretive dance or things of this nature, then this is gotta be torture. And even for me who couldn't take their eyes off it, who did not really like it very much, but I appreciated its madness. It did feel like longer than Lord of the Rings. Mm. Absolutely,
0: uh
1: So obviously, I've got no budget. I've got no box office for this one. Right? So yeah, whatever. Uh, year in review though. So it was originally released on VHS in nineteen ninety, Laserdisc in ninety one, and then on DVD as part of the David Lynch career retrospective called the Lime Green Set in uh, in two thousand and eight. Um, but obviously, this. The YouTube video must have been taken from the VHS. So, any guesses what the biggest selling single in the United Kingdom was in 1990?
0: 1990. What was released film-wise around then? I wonder. Um, Beverly Hills Cop. Around that time.
1: No, um, I mean it might have been, but that's not related to the
0: the answer. Yeah. No, I've got no idea about nineties. Just. Were we, like, coming into, like, um, Listen Dormant, maybe? New, ro- new Romantic and stuff like that. Uh, we're
1: coming out of the 80s, sort of New Romantic. Uh, this one, to be honest, this is an old song that comes back again in a moment as well, oddly enough. Um, so it is the Unchained Melody reissued by the Righteous Brothers, mm. which is very unusual because 1995's biggest-selling single was the proto-Anton Deck robson and, and jerome yeah got unchained melody so that song appears
2: twice in the 90s as the biggest selling single of its year which is bizarre yeah but you remember how massive soldier soldier was though back in the day oh yeah yeah it was Every, everyone watched it It was like line of duty
1: yeah and i'm guessing that 1919 must have been ghost if yeah. unchained melody was the biggest single of that year um, the two biggest selling albums of 1990 were both best ofs any idea which two artists albums they were one's a one's a guy one's a girl they're both queens matt <laughs> want to take a step stab,
2: stab at one of them
0: they're both queens ah uh, so which gay guy had a best of
2: oh L not
0: oh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's the Queen when it comes to it, yeah. Elton's the... Elton, yeah. Um, And which Queen would have been having their
2: best of then? Dolly?
0: Not Dolly. I'll, I'll give you a clue,
1: Matt. It, she only came out in the 80s, and it's very much a respect, uh, retrospective of her 80s career. I don't know. I haven't got a clue. Do any guesses? She was... Huge as well. I mean, she still is big, but I—it's not the kind of music I've ever listened to. But she's um adored by many. in Houston. Who does she share? No, it's a Madonna. Immaculate collection. Yeah. I mean, she'd only been out like a handful of years by that point. But th- those are the two biggest uh, albums of 1990. So for Nicolas Cage, this film was released in between Firebirds and Zandalee. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been. <laughs> Uh, We discussed the good films of 1990 in the Firebirds episode. So for the worst films of 1990, the 11th annual Razzies took place in March 1991. Um, The Godfather Part 3 gave Nick Cage's cousin, Sophia Coppola, two awards, with the worst supporting actress and worst new star. The two big winners, though, with three awards apiece... The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, which won Worst Film, Worst Screenplay and Worst Actor for Andrew Dice Clay. uh, And also Ghosts Can't Do It. Like, I've never heard of that one either. That gave awards to John Derrick for Worst Director, Bo Derrick for Worst Actress. And would either of you like to take a guess at who won the Worst Supporting Actor
2: that year? Are they called Derek as well?
1: <laughs> They're not, no.
2: I don't know, it's Al Pacino.
0: Was he was he in the list?
1: <laughs> it's not Al Pacino. Stu, any guesses? Judge? I, I think it's someone who has I think they've won two Brazzies, this person has. Um I'm going back with Judge Ronald. Why not? <laughs> Donald Trump will <laughs> <laughs> be so apparently he appeared in this Ghost Can't Do It film. Asked himself, I think he won one for um, Home Alone 2, two years later. And so. so there were no critical reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. So what do you think the audience scores? Out of 10, out of 100,
2: Stur- <laughs> Um, it could, could be either, couldn't it? I mean, the, the sensible thing to say, he's like 2 out of 100. That's but, what it should be, yeah. That's where we should be, but there's so many people. If if you, they if you're taking, you're not going to fall over this, are you? If you, you're going out your way to find it and not for a sadistic way like this, um, that you maybe that you like this kind of stuff, so if, maybe like eighty odd. I don't, I have no idea. Matt, what do you reckon? I I've got to
0: tell you, I I I was the second I finished watching it, I had to start like searching for it, so I know what the answer is because I I couldn't. I couldn't, I had to see if there were, there were any lunatics in this world that like this trollop. And fuck it, I wasn't, I was, wasn't disappointed. Mm. You give the answer away, then we'll talk about it, because God almighty, some of the fucking reviews. So IMDB,
1: it's got a seven points. On lesser Box, it's got a three and a half out of five. The Run Tomatoes, I mean, there's only like just over 50 people have voted on it. But he's got a 64%. I, I, I honestly don't know what people have seen in this film to be giving it good reviews at all. Um, the only review from like a critic that I could find was from Josh Zyber of The Bonus View. He gave this production a three and a half star review saying there isn't much point in trying to decrypt its symbolism, which is mostly a hodgepodge of images and motifs from the director's early works what little semblance of narrative construct is delivered during the opening video prologue with Laura Dern and Nick, Nick Cage. And that's the only reviews that I could find. doesn't really tell you much. Um, there is a half-star review from uh, Letterboxd from my colleague, Kenneth. Um, he said, So I think I've pinned it down. The more a David Lynch work is bound to the necessities of a plot and storytelling, the better it is. His weird sensibilities need to be anchored to something. At best, Lynch gives us truly amazing stuff. Twin Peaks, Blue Velvet, and the Elephant Man come to mind. At his worst, we get pretentious, hard to watch, meaningless, self-indulgent nonsense like this. There is also a five-star review on Letterboxd from Bunny Bunny One Two Three, who says, "Just so beautifulicious." And
2: that's
1: it. <laughs> uh, Mass, you wish
0: you good, bad, and crazy, please. No, <laughs> I won't do it. No, uh, this it, it, it's all just it's all just a a void of regret. <laughs> like there's nothing good about it. Honestly, I'm. I, okay, no, that's a lie. That's a lie. Some of the music was okay. Like it's floaty and it's a bit. It wouldn't be out of place in like dream sequences and games and stuff like that it was some of it was okay and fine but it's when it just drags on for like 10 minutes it's just it just you know the bad is everything else just it's just the it's makes no sense there's no plot you give up like one of the comments on YouTube was like like my girlfriend just gave up on trying to find a plot after 15-20 minutes and enjoyed it after that I guess that's the crazy in that, like, maybe you just just have to unplug yourself from the matrix that is this because enjoy it. Or maybe you just need to be on a copious amount of drugs. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just not. I'm just um, culturally, like I called you on the fan cast, Stuart Dullard, I think. on <laughs> am <I'm> a weird <laughs> podcast of the, of the multiple of recordings this evening. Um, but. Maybe it's just me, but the some some people love it and I just don't... I can't physically understand why. Like, most things, like music I don't like, I can understand from a technical point of view. Or foods I don't like because I'm just not into a certain flavour or something like that. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing redeemable about this at all. And I, I'd struggle how anybody who's being serious can rate it anything higher than, like, a one for effort.
2: Mm, if we eat. Shib. Um, I still know I don't know what to say because on the one hand, you look at one of my worst films of last year that we said, Mad God, which was shit. Um, but that was 80-odd minutes of plasticine diving into the depths of hell and it, none of it made sense, um, but it was really well made. And I hated that film with a passion. I didn't even finish it. It was one of the very few in my entire life that I turned off. At no point did I want to turn this off. And if I was, if I was being sensible, and you say, okay, out of 10, what would you give this? For, as, an experience, as an experience, I'd probably say about a seven. As a film did that I enjoyed, it'd get a one. So what is the middle grader there you're probably looking around about a four a four and a half five which is not too far away of what the other the other people have said so I mean the the, the bad straight off the bad was the songs the, the music was abhorrently shit awful stuff just awful but then if you think about it and if say take these songs out and when we if, if anyone could be asked if she replaced these songs with like tenacious D songs, Kept all the same imagery, but rocked it up a bit, and with a bit of piss taking, it would be amazing. It would be. It still make no sense, but it would be ten times better if the songs were different.
1: You mean, and it would be better if it
2: wasn't this. Yeah, yeah. But visually, I mean, for the good, I mean, I, visually, however much nonsense it might, I, mean, I thought that the gold demon thing looked, looked pretty good. I, I like the staging of everything. I, liked, I thought that was all right. For what it was, for for the time, caveat that for the time, it looked pretty good. Um, so for effects wise, decent. Everything else now. Um, but I didn't hate it. I don't know what's happened to me.
1: Yeah, what what can you say? So my good, I I, I really struggled. Like it's mercifully short. Is is my real good thing that. I didn't have to waste more than an hour watching it, which is something. I mean, I haven't seen Twin Peaks, but from everything I've seen, it appears that if you appreciate Twin Peaks, you'd probably get something yeah. out of this. Which I did. So, if, I wouldn't say it's good for me, but I imagine if you're watching it, it's good for the people who it's probably intended for. I'm really clutching at fucking straws with that, though, to be perfectly honest. So, um, my bad. So I saw in one article that they said the Cruise's performance should be considered a nightmare representation of the woman's psychological turmoil. But obviously there's no narrative structure other than like the odd bits that I mentioned before, which I think there's some kind of symbolism there. But the problem with all of that is that none of that makes any sense because it's so hodgepodge, as that critic previously said. it's so it's so over the place. It doesn't take you on a journey and it doesn't invite you in. He doesn't give you anything really. But like, I, I don't know what you're supposed to take from this. "Quote unquote," Phil. I, I get the impression that Lynch may have been buffing fucking Julie Cruz, and it was just an excuse to put her on screen. Like I, I don't know if maybe that's just all it was. I don't know what any of this means, and I hate that. I, I hate not knowing, and it mm-hmm. fucking riles me up no ends. So that's my bad, is everything to do with this film, I say, yeah. Uh, crazy. So this was at the creative height of Lynch's powers. Like By the late 80s, early 90s, Lynch had been producing music. His heart his art had been hung in prestigious galleries. It had mainstream success as well as critical success with Eraserhead, Elephant Man, Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart. Obviously, people were loving Twin Peaks. He must have felt untouchable which is probably why he made this and thought that it would be great. So I just find it crazy to think that, as I said, this was the height of his powers and this is what he was putting on. Like, I just don't understand how those two worlds met up with this because any sane person should have seen this and told him to just put that in the bin because that's that's where he belonged. Yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, masters, you enjoy the film.
0: Uh, I, you know, I didn't. I didn't say anything else about it. I just short um, this one down to uh, labor of love.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say no as well. Cause I'm, I'm certain Stu's going to book the trend in the moment. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a no from me. me. I we've said
2: a lot. Uh, I was shit. That's it. Stu, <laughs> <laughs> did, did you enjoy the film? Oh, I didn't enjoy it though. That's the point. I didn't enjoy any of it. Bro, I was transfixed by it, and. <laughs> the whole art argument and I do enjoy Twin Peaks and I do like weird stuff now and again but it seems to be it has to be a certain place and time for me to enjoy this stuff if I'd watch this at I don't know half 11 at night and I was knackered maybe it pissed me off um but I'll watch it pretty much first thing in the morning um and I, I was not drunk or hungover anyway and I was I was just transfixed by what I was seeing, and I play, I've played Death Stranding, which is equally as weird as this stuff like Kojima and all, and some of the odd Metal Gear Solid stuff over the years. I like weird stuff, um, but you could easily say I, I, we could make a film like an ode to Wensfield, and we could put like shopping trolleys on top of barges upside down and colour the canal in with green, even more green than it is. And then start hanging little plastic deer around the place and film that and then put it out on YouTube and someone would finally mean him, even though it's just bollocks. Which is, this seems like, it's see how far we can possibly push things and yet it still gets released. And this is all this was. But I was transfixed, like I've said. I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it either, which is what I'm amazed at. Mm.
1: Would you recommend people to wash it those two?
2: I texted, I sent Goldie the link straight away. I said, see how long, see how far you can get in this. It's 50 minutes long, Just see how far. It's an endurance piece. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you can put yourself through it, it's something. Um, but there's, I don't know many people who like David Lynch anyway. Mm. Um, so, uh, if you don't like him, there's no point in recommending it because I know you're not going to watch it. And if you do, you're not going to enjoy it and you're gonna, you're going to hate me for it. So I can't recommend it to anyone really. I, I'm assuming you would recommend people watch it, Matt.
0: I think people should. So they have an appreciation because for the things it. they do actually enjoy. Um, yeah. People should just watch it. Just, just to, just to share my hate.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> no, but you know, yeah, if, I'm sure there are better, you know, 50 minutes that you can spend with your life. But actually, if it, if it means you can in, have a laugh with this podcast alongside it, NBA go for it. Why not?
1: Ooh. So was Nicolas Cage good or was Nicolas Cage bad? I mean, it's a bit of a void question, isn't it? He literally has a dozen words in this.
0: Uh, I think it would be unfair to add it to the scores, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah because... I don't know what did what. I don't wonder what we scored him on Wilder Hart. We kind of just have to go with the same score, really. I guess because um, he just is that character, isn't he? Let's be honest.
1: Yeah, he is effectively. I mean, like in my notes, I said he, like I've put void because you can't really answer that question. Um, he's not bad. He's not great, but but it's not because of him. It's because he's literally on screen for 30 seconds and he's got nothing to work with. So, like, anyone could have done it, realistically speaking, because you don't need... There's nothing from the world at Heart characters that come across other than he's using the same accent that he used there. So, yeah, there's there's nothing to it. Stu, have you got anything at all to say about Cage's performance in this?
2: It's a bit like... um... Like Noir, in Spider Verse, he he does what he has to with what he's got, and he, it's he, he can't he can't count it because it's it's too little. But could he be replaced by anyone else? Of course he could. It, it was it, it reminded me a bit like um, David Duchovny in Red Shoe Diaries.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you mean, actually. Yeah.
2: yeah, well, he's just he's there at the start and the end, and then that's it. But he's he's got no actual reason for being there mm. in the plot of the. Fi- um, episode itself. So if you came to David Duchovny, he could have done this as well. So <laughs> it's null and void for me too.
1: So for just for, for the record, I said that Nick Cage was good in Wild at Heart, but you two were against me and said it was bad. Uh, so finally, if you enjoyed Symphony Number no. One, Industrial Symphony Number no. One, sorry, the Dream of the Broken Hearted, you may also like.
2: Stu. Um. Pouring bleach into your eyes. Um, I'd I just go and say, just go and watch Hamilton. It's better in every possible way. Mm, yeah, no arguments. Matt?
0: Uh, well, go watch Greece because that's what I thought it was going to be. And that's what I wanted it to be um, by the end of it.
1: How much of a left-down is that? I
0: think he's going to be Greece and
1: <laughs> fucking weird experimental nonsense. Awful. Awful. <laughs> um. I'm going down the route of just because it's on YouTube, that's easy with any way you can see it. So a couple of YouTube creators. Um, NPR music, they do something called tiny desk concerts. And they're just like tiny little fifteen minute gigs where people go into a small office and play for, you know, twenty odd people in an office block. I think that was the first place I heard Lizzo, Taylor Swift's been on there, Postmono, Action Bronson, some of the bigger names. But then there's just a shitload of nobody's like You might find some random Brazilian street band on there and you get a a bit of everybody. It's really cool. So yeah, the Tiny Death Concerts is good. Some of my favourite film reviewers on YouTube, OSW Review, three Irish lads who predominantly do old wrestling shows, but they also have some fun with some really great and some really terrible films as well. So check them out. And finally, Patrick Willems does some really interesting, enlightening and fun video essays about films. So, if you're on YouTube and you, you want to watch something after you've spent... I don't minutes watching these. Those three places might be a good place to start for you. Right, so that's another Nick Cage film in the record book. So, we want film closer to completion. If you've seen this one or anything else that we've ever discussed, get in contact with us, cagefightingpod at gmail.com or make sure you get us on the socials at cagefightingpod.com uh, as ash listening to us now, please make sure that you're subscribed so that you don't miss an episode of the podcast watch uh, you're subscribing. Please do leave us a review. It would really help us out. Finally, thank you very much for just giving us your time this week. Uh, it was quite short and sweet for a picture pod, which is always good to see. Um, so for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye?
0: Take it easy, everybody. Look after yourselves. Have a fantastic week ahead. And if you want to be a respected and well revered uh, film artiste, then just release any old shit because people will love you for it. <laughs> chaffing out. now.
1: Stu, do you want to say goodbye? I
2: mean, we almost managed to get to the, the length of the, uh, the actual film itself again, which is very close. Um, but yeah, I'm, t- I'm trying to deliberately ramble so that that happens. But yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> she looked- five minutes and yeah. Um, I mean, we could talk about soundbars, I mean, I was quite impressed with myself with with that little deal, but, um, yeah, even having a brand new soundbar, I wouldn't put this nonsense through it, let's put it that way, but (laughs) if you enjoyed it, it, if you even watched it, just get in touch with this, because I've sent it to a few people, I'd be astonished if anyone who's who's suffered and uh, listened to this podcast would go and watch it for themselves afterwards, beforehand, yeah, because we've tricked you into it um but afterwards if you have then <laughs> let us know because that'd be amazing goodbye mm, i'll tweet
1: the link out anyway so just in case you want to find it it's there for you so mate yeah as i say i'll tweet you Should be on the socials get us on there uh it's goodbye from me and remember be excellent to each other